0: Hello, everyone.
1: This is the One Year Bible Tour Guide. My name is David McAdam, and I'm happy to serve as your guide as we read through the Bible with the daily portions from the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Book of Psalms, and the Book of Proverbs. Today it's March 5th, and we are making our way through the Book of Numbers and the Gospel of Mark. So let's jump right in. We're going to start reading in the Book of Numbers. Chapter 4, beginning with verse 1, concerning the duties of the Kohathites, Gershonites, and Merorites. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Take a census of the sons of Kohath from among the sons of Levi, by their clans in their fathers' houses, from thirty years up to fifty years old, all who can come on duty to do the work in the tent of meeting. This is the service of the sons of Kohath in the tent of meeting, the most holy things. When the camp is to set out, Aaron and his sons shall go in to take down the veil of the screen, and cover the Ark of the Testimony with it. Then they shall put on it a covering of goat skin, and spread on top of that a cloth all of blue, and shall put it in its poles. And over the table of the bread of the presence they shall spread a cloth of blue, and put on it the plates, the dishes for incense, the bowls, and the flagons for the drink-offering. The regular showbread also shall be on it. Then they shall spread over them a cloth of scarlet, and cover the same with a covering of goatskin, and shall put in its poles. And they shall take a cloth of blue, and cover the lampstand for the light, with its lamps, its tongs, its trays, and all the vessels for oil with which it is supplied. And they shall put it with all its utensils, in a covering of goatskin, and put it on the carrying frame. And over the golden altar they shall spread a cloth of blue, and cover it with a covering of goatskin, and shall put in its poles. And they shall take all the vessels of the service that are used in the sanctuary, and put them in a cloth of blue, and cover them with a covering of goatskin, and put them on the carrying frame and they shall take away the ashes from the altar and spread a purple cloth over it and they shall put on it all the utensils of the altar which are used for the service there the fire pans the forks the shovels and the basins all the utensils of the altar and they shall spread on it a covering of goatskin and shall put in its poles and when Aaron and his sons have finished covering the sanctuary and all the furnishings of the sanctuary as the camp sets out, after that the sons of Kohath shall come to carry these. But they must not touch the holy things, lest they die. These are the things of the tent of meeting that the sons of Kohath are to carry. And Eleazar the son of Aaron, the priest, shall have charge of the oil for the light, the fragrant incense, the regular grain offering, and the anointing oil, with the oversight of the whole tabernacle and all that is in it of the sanctuary and its vessels. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Let not the tribe of the clans of the Kohathites be destroyed from among the Levites, but deal thus with them, that they may live and not die when they come near to the most holy things. Aaron and his sons shall go in and appoint them, each to his task and to his burden, but they shall not go in to look on the holy things, even for a moment, lest they die. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, take a census of the sons of Gershon also, by their fathers' houses and by their clans, from thirty years old up to fifty years old. You shall list them, all who can come to do duty, to do service in the tent of meeting. This is the service of the clans of the Gershonites, in serving and bearing burdens. They shall carry the curtains of the tabernacle and the tent of meeting, with its covering and the covering of goatskin that is on top of it, and the screen for the entrance of the tent of meeting, and the hangings of the court, and the screen for the entrance of the gate of the court that is around the tabernacle and the altar, and their cords, and all the equipment for their service. And they shall do all that needs to be done with regard to them. All the service of the sons of the Gershonites shall be at the command of Aaron and his sons, in all that they are to carry, and in all that they have to do. And you shall assign to their charge all that they are to carry. This is the service of the clans of the sons of the Gershonites in the tent of meeting, and their guard duty is to be under the direction of Ithamar, the son of Aaron the priest. As for the sons of Merari, you shall list them by their clans and their fathers' houses. From thirty years old up to fifty years old, you shall list them, everyone who can come on duty to do the service of the tent of meeting, and this is what they are charged to carry as the whole of their service in the tent of meeting, the frames of the tabernacle with its bars, pillars, and bases, and the pillars around the court with their bases, pegs, and cords, with all their equipment and all their accessories. And you shall list by name the objects that they are required to carry. This is the service of the clans of the sons of Marari, the whole of their service in the tent of meeting, under the direction of Ithamar, the son of Aaron the priest." And Moses and Aaron and the chiefs of the congregation listed the sons of the Kohathites by their clans and their fathers' houses, from thirty years old up to fifty years old, everyone who could come on duty for service in the Tent of Meeting. And those listed by clans were two thousand seven hundred and fifty. This was the list of the clans of the Kohathites, all who served in the Tent of Meeting, whom Moses and Aaron listed according to the commandment of the Lord by Moses those listed of the sons of gershon by their clans and their father's houses from 30 years old up to 50 years old every one who could come on duty for service in the tent of meeting those listed by their clans and their father's houses were two thousand six hundred and thirty this was the list of the clans of the sons of gershon all who served in the tent of meeting whom moses and aaron listed according to the commandment of the lord those listed of the clans of the sons of morari by their clans and their fathers' houses, from thirty years old up to fifty years old, everyone who could come on duty for service in the Tent of Meeting, those listed by clans were three thousand two hundred. This was the list of the clans of the sons of Merari, whom Moses and Aaron listed according to the commandment of the Lord by Moses. All those who were listed of the Levites, whom Moses and Aaron and the chiefs of Israel listed, by their clans and their fathers' houses, from thirty years old up to fifty years old, Every everyone who could come to do the service of ministry and the service of bearing burdens in the tent of meeting. Those listed were 8580. According to the commandment of the Lord through Moses they were listed, each one with his task of serving or carrying. Thus they were listed by him as the Lord commanded Moses. Chapter 5 Unclean People The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Command the people of Israel, that they put out of the camp every one who is leprous, or has a discharge, and every one who is unclean, through contact with the dead. You shall put out both male and female, putting them outside the camp, that they may not defile their camp, in the midst of which I dwell.' And the people of Israel did so, and put them outside the camp, as the Lord said to Moses, So the people of Israel did. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel. When a man or woman commits any of the sins that people commit by breaking faith with the Lord, and that person realizes his guilt, he shall confess his sin that he has committed, and he shall make full restitution for his wrong, adding a fifth to it, and giving it to him to whom he did the wrong. But if the man has no next of kin to whom restitution may be made for the wrong, the restitution for wrong shall go to the Lord for the priest, in addition to the ram of atonement with which atonement is made for him. And every contribution, all the holy donations of the people of Israel, which they bring to the priest, shall be his. Each one shall keep his holy donations. Whatever any one gives to the priest shall be his. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel. If any man's wife goes astray and breaks faith with him, if a man lies with her sexually, and it is hidden from the eyes of her husband, and she is undetected, though she has defiled herself, and there is no witness against her, since she was not taken in the act. And if the spirit of jealousy comes over him, and he is jealous of his wife, who has defiled herself, or if the spirit of jealousy comes over him, and he is jealous of his wife, though she has not defiled herself, then the man shall bring his wife to the priest, and bring the offering required of her, a tenth of an ephah of barley flour. He shall pour no oil on it, and put no frankincense on it, for it is a grain offering of jealousy, a grain offering of remembrance, bringing iniquity to remembrance. And the priest shall bring her near, and set her before the Lord, and the priest shall take holy water in an earthenware vessel, and take some of the dust that is on the floor of the tabernacle, and put it into the water. And the priest shall set the woman before the Lord, and unbind the hair of the woman's head And place in her hands the grain offering of remembrance, which is the grain offering of jealousy. And in his hand the priest shall have the water of bitterness that brings the curse. Then the priest shall make her take an oath, saying, If no man has lain with you, and if you have not turned aside to uncleanness while you were under your husband's authority, be free from this water of bitterness that brings the curse. But if you have gone astray, though you are under your husband's authority, And if you have defiled yourself, and some man other than your husband has lain with you, then let the priest make the woman take the oath of the curse, and say to the woman, The Lord make you a curse and an oath among your people, when the Lord makes your thigh fall away and your body swell. May this water that brings the curse pass into your bowels, and make your womb swell and your thigh fall away, and the woman shall say, Amen, Amen. Then the priest shall write these curses in a book, and wash them off in the water of bitterness. And he shall make the woman drink the water of bitterness that brings the curse, and the water that brings the curse shall enter into her, and cause bitter pain. And the priest shall take the grain offering of jealousy out of the woman's hand, and shall wave the grain offering before the Lord, and bring it to the altar. And the priest shall take a handful of the grain offering, as its memorial portion, and burn it on the altar. And afterward shall make the woman drink the water. And when he has made her drink the water, then, if she has defiled herself and has broken faith with her husband, the water that brings the curse shall enter into her and cause bitter pain, and her womb shall swell, and her thigh shall fall away, and the woman shall become a curse among her people. But if the woman has not defiled herself and is clean, then she shall be free and shall conceive children. This is the law in cases of jealousy when a wife, though under her husband's authority, goes astray and defiles herself, or when the spirit of jealousy comes over a man and he is jealous of his wife, then he shall set the woman before the Lord, and the priest shall carry out for her all this law. The man shall be free from iniquity, but the woman shall bear her iniquity. This concludes the reading of the Old Testament portion. Let's take some moments to reflect upon what we've learned from the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers reminds us that God cares for each one of our journeys in the wilderness of this world. He cares about every detail of our lives, especially our worship. The most important thing for the people of God is that they would know the presence of the Lord among them. The Lord agreed to manifestly dwell with the Israelites on the terms of His covenant. They could relate to Him on the basis of His testimony in the tabernacle, which is the testimony of Jesus in the gospel. God's commands regarding the tabernacle spell out what is required in order for God's presence to be among his people. First, we must give careful attention to God's thoughts in all that we do. We must respect the divine order. Every member of the community counts and is numbered. Every member is given an assignment as a sacred trust. There are clear lines of accountability within the ranks. We are to walk and work together according to the assignments we have been given as the people of God. And then the success of the people of God, bearing witness to God's purpose and plan, depends upon their overall submission to His directives revealed through His Word. All of this reminds us that God has a plan for His called-out ones, the church, to walk together in local assemblies. Each member of that community has an assignment that is vital to the purpose of the whole to bear witness to the person and work of Jesus Christ. The mission of the local church in the New Testament is clear. Jesus gave the Great Commission, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19-20. to 20. His presence goes with us as we follow His directives. In the beginning of our reading in chapter 4, we learn that the Kohathites were given the responsibility to transport the ark, the table of the showbread, the lampstand, the golden altar of incense, the articles for ministry, and the bronze altar. They were assigned to carry the holy furnishings of the tabernacle, but were forbidden to look upon or touch them. First, Aaron and his sons had to pack and cover them with coverings of cloth and waterproof hides of sea cows. Each item of furniture was to be covered with a particular color of cloth with the sea cow cover put on in a certain order. The Ark of the Covenant had the sea cow cover underneath and the blue cover visible outside. The table had both blue and scarlet cloth covers underneath, with the sea cow cover on top visible to the people. All the other items transported by the Kohathites had the sea cow cover. There was no outward beauty in these items as they prophetically pictured Jesus in His earthly humanity. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2 reads, For He grew up before Him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon Him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to Him. What people noticed about Jesus in His earthly ministry was the heavenly blue, his otherly qualities, his holy character and the heavenly authority he demonstrated over nature, sickness, demons and death through his signature miracles. The ark of the testimony, covered with blue cloth, bore the tables of stone upon which were written the commandments. Jesus's character fulfilled the law with the testimony of his loving life. People also saw the heavenly nature of the miracles. His testimony as the conqueror of death is reflected by Aaron's rod that budded after it had been cut down. People were attracted as Jesus fed them spiritual nourishment in His teaching, bread from heaven. But the glory of God's full testimony is only revealed when we see Christ Jesus crucified, risen and ascended, His blood on the mercy seat. Until we see God's glory in the gospel of the finished work of Christ, the coverings continue to veil who he truly is from our eyes. The Kohathites, who carried the sacred furniture, were under the supervision of Aaron's son, Eleazar, who carried the anointing oil and sweet incense, in Numbers chapter 4, verse 16. The Gershonites, who carried the curtains, the outer court curtains and the entrance curtain, and the ropes and equipment for the tabernacle curtains, were under the charge of Aaron's son, Ithamar, in Numbers 4, verse 28. The Merorites, who were assigned to carry the frame, the crossbars, posts, bases, and outer curtain for the tabernacle, were also under the oversight of Ithamar, in verse 33. These important assignments remind us to appreciate every member and ministry of the local church. Each one has an assignment that contributes to the maintenance of the life of the whole. Each one walks in a loving relationship with the others and humbly submits to the directions that God has given through those who have been appointed as overseers. In 1 Thessalonians 5:12, we read, But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another in hebrews 13 17 obey your leaders and submit to them for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account let them do this with joy and not with grief for this would be unprofitable for you numbers chapter 5 teaches us that it was imperative that purity be maintained in the camp all that were unclean in any way were to be put outside the camp this does not mean that they were banished or left to perish But that they were not permitted to maintain their proper place and service within the tribes of their people while they were unclean first there is the need to separate those who have the bodily marks of impurity in numbers chapter five verses one to four those who were ceremonially unclean according to the law suffering an infectious skin disease suffering a discharge or having touched a dead body were sent outside the camp then there is the issue of maintaining purity in interpersonal relationships. There was a law demanding full restitution for wrongs in verses 5 through 10. Next there is the matter of maintaining purity in the most intimate of relationships, the purity of husband and wife in the marriage bed. Most unusual is the test for the unfaithful wife. We learned that if a husband was suspicious but could not prove that his wife was guilty of having an extramarital affair, there was a recourse provided in the law. The husband could prepare a jealousy offering consisting of grain without oil or incense upon it and bring his wife and the offering to the priest. The priest would take the holy water in a clay jar and put some dust from the tabernacle floor in it. The priest was to write upon a scroll the curses that are promised to come upon those who transgress, and then wash them clean off the scroll into the bitter water. The priest then takes the grain offering from her hands and waves it before the Lord, bringing a handful of it upon the altar as a memorial. She then drinks the bitter water. If she is innocent of the adultery her husband suspects, no harm will come to her, she will be acquitted of all charges and will be able to have children the passage highlights the perils of jealousy between a husband and a wife and the importance of maintaining a strong marriage bond and nuclear family in the interests of national strength the drinking of this water was harmless in itself only an act of God would bring proof of guilt the expositors Bible commentary explains God reaches out through Moses and has a means of escape for a woman under suspicion of unfaithfulness. The trial she is taken to is not a kangaroo court, it is in the precincts of the tabernacle, under the jurisdiction of the priests, in concert with a solemn sacrifice, she places herself under the hand of the Lord. The woman brought to such a place will not take this issue lightly. Public humiliation, shame, anger with her spouse and exposure before priests and people were all terrifying prospects. But then neither would her husband take these issues lightly. For he was not just spreading rumors nor digging at his wife in the privacy of their home. He too was coming before the Lord, and he too might be judged. Hence we have another expression of the mercy of God to women who are so often abused by prideful men here is a means of escape from suspicion and evasion of punishment. If the woman was indeed guilty, then the husband was vindicated. This was important, not just for the anger he might be feeling, but for the sense of the ongoing stability of the family. If a woman was unfaithful to her husband, she might be carrying the child of another man. And the rights of inheritance might become hopelessly enmeshed with the complexities of family relationships. But if the woman was innocent, then her husband would have his reasons for jealousy alleviated. Again, this is a limitation on his jealous nature. Most men would be very careful before pressing the issue. The results could be disastrous for themselves. End quote. There is no instance of any husband ever having to use this law, nor any wife asking for it. Perhaps the mere existence of this law acted as a deterrent to adultery and a warning that such a hidden sin would be found out. And now let's go to our reading from the New Testament. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verses 18 through 37. The Sadducees ask about the resurrection. And the Sadducees came to him who say that there is no resurrection, and they asked him a question saying, The woman also died in the resurrection when they rise again whose wife will she be for the seven had her as wife jesus said to them is this not the reason you are wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of god for when they rise from the dead they neither marry nor are given in marriage but are like angels in heaven but as for the dead being raised Have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he had answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that He is one and there is no other besides Him. And to love Him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that He answered wisely, He said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask Him any more questions." And as Jesus taught in the temple, he said, How can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself in the Holy Spirit declared, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord, so how is he his son? And the great throng heard him gladly. This concludes the New Testament reading. Jesus answers the Sadducees and demonstrates that he is an authority on both the scriptures and the power of God. The Sadducees deny the resurrection. They mock it with their silly question. In verse 23, they only accepted the authority of the Torah, the first five books of Moses, so Jesus answers on their playing field. He gives evidence of the reality of corporal existence in the afterlife, citing God's self-revelation to Moses in the Torah. When he spoke from the burning bush saying, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He doesn't say, I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 5, verses 15 to 16, and also Mark chapter 12, verse 27, Jesus rebukes these Bible scholars saying, you are greatly mistaken. Jesus knows what the afterlife is all about. He knows what life is like in the resurrection. He has been there. He is the resurrection and the life. In John chapter 11, verse 25, he authoritatively informs the Sadducees that when the dead rise, they will neither marry or be given in marriage. Jesus is asked by a teacher of the law, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus replies with the Shema, from Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 to 5 and the exhortation to love God with all one's heart and with all one's soul mind and strength and then to love one's neighbor as oneself from Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18 and 34 the teacher of the law agreed that these commands were more important than ceremonial rectitude what is most astonishing is that Jesus has the authority to tell the teacher of the law where he stands with God when Jesus saw that he had answered intelligently, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one would venture to ask him any more questions. Jesus asks a question while teaching in the temple courts. He then explains, from Psalm 110, verse 1, that the Messiah, the Son of David, is in fact greater than David, in that he is the Son of God. The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet in Psalm 110 verse 1 Now let's read from the book of Psalms Psalm 48 A song a psalm of the sons of Korah Zion the city of our God Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God His holy mountain beautiful in elevation is the joy of the whole earth Mount Zion IN THE FAR NORTH, THE CITY OF THE GREAT KING, WITH HER CITADELS, GOD HAS MADE HIMSELF KNOWN AS A FORTRESS, FOR BEHOLD, THE KINGS ASSEMBLED, THEY CAME ON TOGETHER, AS SOON AS THEY SAW IT, THEY WERE ASTOUNDED, THEY WERE IN PANIC, THEY TOOK TO FLIGHT, TREMBLING TOOK HOLD OF THEM, THERE, ANGUISH AS OF A WOMAN IN LABOR, BY THE EAST WIND YOU SHATTERED THE SHIPS OF Tarshish, AS WE HAVE HEARD, So have we seen in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, which God will establish forever. We have thought on your steadfast love, O God, in the midst of your temple. As your name, O God, so your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Let Mount Zion be glad. Let the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments. Walk about Zion, go around her, Number her towers, consider well her ramparts, go through her citadels, that you may tell the next generation that this is God, our God for ever and ever. He will guide us for ever. That concludes the reading of Psalm 48. Those who trust in the Lord find him as their total resource. All that they need is found in him. The city of our God speaks not only of today's Jerusalem, but prophetically of the new Jerusalem where the people of God as a new creation are living under the rule of God. There is symbolic imagery here. His holy mountain, speaking of God's government, in the far north, an idiom for the place of God's throne. When Jesus refers to Jerusalem in Matthew five thirty-five, he gives it the name that the psalmist ascribed to it in Psalm 48, verse 2. But I say to you, make no oath at all either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of His feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great King. Jerusalem is the place to which Christ will return, and therefore we can think of the benefits of His righteous rule as we read this psalm. One great benefit is found in verse 14, For such is God, our God forever and ever. He will guide us until death. Now, for today's proverb. A proverb a day will keep folly away. Proverbs 10:26. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to those who send him. The New American Standard Bible says, so is the lazy one to those who send him. So let us not be a source of irritation. Let us be diligent to do what we have been sent to do. Let's commit ourselves to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the revelation of Your glory and grace in the person of Your Son. We wholeheartedly embrace Him as our Lord, our King, as our salvation, our bread from heaven, the means of our resurrection, and our right standing with You. We thank You for the testimony of Your authority in His works and in His words. We can rest assured that in coming by faith to Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life, we are coming to You. We ask that Your Holy Spirit continue to teach us counsel us and correct us as needed we want to walk in ways that are pleasing to you according to the wisdom that you give in jesus name amen thank you for joining with us today and we hope this has been a blessing to you and that you are profiting by this time of reading through the word together and hopefully you were able to take in some of the sites with the help of the tour guide if you have any questions or comments Feel free to contact us at podcast at newlife.org or visit our website, N-E-W-L-I-F-E dot O-R-G. God bless you and have a great day. Shalom.